0: Are we going about student ministry the right way? Are we giving this next generation all that they need to become the world changers that God has created them to be? How do we remove the obstacles and set them up for God-defined success? How do we help students run after their purpose? On this episode of Student Ministry Connection, we get real about what student ministry is all about. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection, a podcast for those who serve in student ministry, want to connect, and desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum, and I've served in student ministry since 1999. I'm currently serving with National Network of Youth Ministries, where I get to help personally encourage, professionally equip, and spiritually strengthen youth leaders for faithful and effective ministry with the next generation. Over the years, I've been involved in student ministry in several different settings, church sizes, and areas of the country. And with few exceptions, I found that it mostly looks the same. It's usually centered around a program or two focused on bringing teenagers together to have fun and to help them learn about God and about the Bible. But we all know the statistics. More people are leaving the church than ever before. So even though God has been using our ministries to impact students, I often wonder if we're going about it the right way. And if things need to change, Are we willing to make those changes? It's really comfortable to run a weekly youth group, but it's something different when we truly pastor a group of teenagers and their families and equip them to impact the world. On this episode of the podcast, I brought back my friend Billy McMahon to have a really candid conversation about what it means to connect with the next generation and help them change the world. And spoiler alert, it's not just about getting them to invite their friends to church. But before we jump into this conversation, let's pause and thank the sponsor of this episode. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see every life situation through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone with three plans to choose from— This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you just need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just over $200. Looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides? That's just over $300. Or do you want an affordable, engaging video curriculum? G-Shades has you covered for just over $400. You will not find a youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere else. There are lots of great curriculum options out there, but G Shades is set apart because of their focus on the gospel. Every lesson focuses so much on Jesus and how to see the world and life situations through that lens of the gospel. You can also learn more about the creator, Mike Haynes, on Episodes 32, 55, and 93 of this podcast. So head over to gshades.org to download Season 5 of G-Shades Youth Ministry Curriculum, and be sure to use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout to save $20 off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you so much, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode. You can find the link to G-Shades in the podcast show notes. I also wanna take a moment to talk to you about the Orange Conference. It's one of my favorite conferences that I go to each year. The Orange Conference 2024 will be April 23rd through April 25th in Atlanta, Georgia. This is a three-day in-person and online event for kids ministry, youth ministry, and next-gen ministry leaders. You'll hear from main stage speakers like Kristen Ivey, John Acuff, Reggie Joyner, Joseph Sojourner, Leslie Mack, John Williams, Chinway Williams, and so many more. And you'll also have the opportunity to choose from over 60 workshops on specific ministry ideas and concepts that you do not want to miss. So, If you want to join me at Orange Conference 2024, I've got a code to help you save 10% off your tickets. Just use OC24NNYM10 and you'll be able to save 10% off your Orange Conference tickets. You can find the link to register and the discount code in the podcast show notes.
1: Billy, it's so great to have you back on the podcast. Steve, it's it's an honor. I, our friendship has grown over the years, and I'm just so thankful for you as a as a friend and a co, co-laborer. But yeah, it's a privilege. Yeah,
0: yeah. And we're doing this one in person, so most of our listeners probably have no idea on a regular basis that most of these interviews are done remotely, but yeah. Billy and I live nearby, and so we decided to go ahead and Pack up the uh, the road gear and and yeah. take it on the road. And so we have a you know a huge audience of, of your daughter who is sick in the other room.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she is upstairs. She is <laughs> held up, quarantined, hoping that she doesn't throw up again. So <laughs> <laughs> that'd be good.
0: Well, I know we had you on a couple of different episodes. One in particular where we just talked a while, and then you were also on the episode where we where we talked with Greg Steer. So. People can go back and check out that other episode to hear more of your story, but things have changed since that episode in both of our lives, ironically enough, on the same day.
1: Oh my goodness, (laughs) dude. 2023 is from hell. I don't know what it is, but it's like 2024 just seems to bring some hope (laughs) of something new. But seriously, like 2023 was a hard year and it was kind of the culmination of a lot of wrestling with God, a lot of late night conversations with God where... Just kind of asking God, like, why are you stirring some of these things inside me, and it feels like there's no outlet for it. Like some of the dreams, some of some of the passions, and really, it feels like it feels like we're on the back end of it. And God has answered some of those prayers. And um, now I'm working with Africa Inland Mission as the Southwest Mobilizer, where I get to travel around and speak about missions and speak about unreached people groups and and really walk alongside people and help them figure out if, if they're being called overseas. And it's just, it's awesome. I like, I feel like one of the, one of my favorite things about being a youth pastor was dreaming with students about, about the role that they could play and the places that they could go for the kingdom. And, and now that's like all I get to do. So yeah, it, it's, it's exciting. I feel like I'm really leaning into my gifting and my calling and, and really like God has answered, Prayers that I've been I've been praying for really the last decade mm-hmm. of like God I spent some time in Indonesia um, with people who have never heard the name of Jesus and then coming back and plugging into student ministry which I love but just feeling a disconnect between those two things and now I feel like I I get the best of both mm. in a lot of ways but yeah like I'm I've been so thankful for our network and our friendship and I'm just getting together with guys that love the next generation. Mm. So that's where our friendship started. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 We just happened to, you know, God placed us in the same town to to do youth ministry in the same town, reaching the same community. And here we are years later and both doing some, a little different things than we were when we first met. Yeah. but but as, still being able to have an impact on the next generation.
1: One of the highlights from last year was as soon as I had the conversation with, with the church that I was at about transitioning out and that decision was final. It was when I sent you the text message yeah. and said, hey, dude, <laughs> it just dropped. I'm going to be transitioning out of Rocky. And your response was, oh, me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was like, what? The same week, yeah. same conversation. Yeah. It was like, there's something in the water in yeah. Longmont, Colorado. Yeah.
0: It was funny because I was already trying to think. It was like, okay, like, who do I need to tell? And how am I going to tell? And, and of course you were at one of the top of the list. And, and I was trying to think through, okay, what, what do I say? And, and then all of a sudden I get a message from you. I'm like, well, well, he broke the ice. I can just respond now.
1: <laughs> totally. It was just like, yeah, something was going on in Longmont, Colorado last year. <laughs>
0: Uh, so I'd love, yeah, just get, take a moment. What's, what's this ministry all about? Uh, I know you do bring in this passion for the next generation and I know your passion for missions. So how is that melding together? What what are your hopes and dreams for this ministry?
1: Yeah. So, so Africa Inland Mission is all about reaching unreached people groups in Africa. So the organization has been around for over a hundred years and really from its conception, from the beginning, the heartbeat of the organization has been. Let's take the gospel, let's, let's plant churches, let's, let's take Jesus into places where there are no churches. And really that heartbeat has carried on through the last hundred years. And now it's like, that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to raise up and find people that God is stirring to go into some of the hardest places around the world to share the gospel and plant churches. And really that scope goes across everything we've got medical missions, we've got church planting, we've got evangelism, we've got counseling, sports ministry, like it's, it's pretty incredible Mm. what God has been doing, but really like my heart and what I feel most excited about is what God is doing in the next generation. Like, I feel like there is this new hunger and this new fervor for just kind of authentic relationship with Jesus and, and really like in the heart of who Gen Z is. It seems like there is this this God-given desire to change the world. Mm. And when I look at the world, I'm like there is no better time yeah. than for God to raise up a generation that is like no we are about Jesus and we want our lives to be about Jesus and we are going to change the world. Mm. Yeah, like I just I get so excited about what God is doing in the next generation. I just see it time after time whereas in the past it has felt like pulling teeth to get people involved with with evangelism and with relationship and discipleship with with Jesus now it's like that's what they long mm. for most yeah it it's in kind of their unique makeup of who they are mm. and i just get so excited about that i get so sick of kind of this negative narrative mm-hmm. about the next generation. Like like they're always on their phone. Like <laughs> every it always seems like the older generations feel like they have it all together and they have all the answers. Yeah. And they look at the up up and coming generation and they're like, they're so broken and they don't know anything. I get excited about the possibility of changing that narrative and mm-hmm. just calling the church to something that is kind of innate in what the church I believe what the church was meant to be and yeah. kind of the the original design of the church, I feel like that's what they long for, yeah. the next generation. I feel like that's what Gen Z is longing for. They're longing for relationship. They're longing for community. They're longing for purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just see so much hope in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I started to notice it back in my ministry in New Hampshire. I think I probably talked about it on, on a previous episode years ago, but we we stopped doing our traditional outreach events that were like going to Six Flags or whatever yeah. because we were having just maybe one or two new students, low, lower numbers going on that trip. But when every time we did a mission trip or every time we did a service project, I had students contact me and begging me, hey, can I bring my yep. friends? And we had more guests come to those events and more students excited about those events than they did the fun trips. The the way we traditionally did yep. outreach and youth ministry, because they're longing for that purpose and longing to to make a
1: difference in the world. Yeah, there's something there. Yeah. Like they, like there's something there. People, if it feels like they are, they see that the world is broken. You don't have to convince them of that. They right. know that the world is broken. They know that the way things have been are not the way things should be, and inviting them into world change. Like, let's cast a giant vision for them
2: mm.
1: and and then dream with them about what could you do to change the world? What is God stirring with you? That's not us manipulating it. Mm. It's us walking alongside them and getting close enough so that we know what they're dreaming about. Yeah. We, we know what, what God is putting in their hearts. And then let's help them chase after God together mm-hmm. and chase after that world change. And then helping them identify like... Those are God-given things that, that He's putting in you. And we often twist it and, and say, this is something else. But recognizing that a lot of the things that we dream about are actually God-given desires and dreams yeah. that He wants us to chase after.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and we see that throughout Scripture. Like Those are the things that that we're told to go after. Not all these are the things the church has been running after, but I I have this series that I've taught a couple times um, from from Nehemiah, and we start off with we see Nehemiah's heart just breaking for the temple and breaking for Jerusalem, longing for what it could be, and he has these deep longing, weeping prayers because he hurts for the same things that hurt God's heart. Mm -hmm. And so if we're able to come alongside these teenagers and go, you know, the reason why you feel like this is because God is – has placed these things on your heart and he wants to use you to do something about it. How can we help you do that? How can we come alongside you, maybe go to Africa to help, you know, plant churches or maybe go across the street yep. and and help your neighbor, whatever that looks like? The reason you have these, these hurting this longing for something better is because God placed that in you.
1: Yep. And and the thing that I love about that example of Nehemiah is it's like. Those things that were breaking his heart were breaking God's heart. And it would be so easy for Nehemiah to to give up that dream and and to kind of say, Well, it's never gonna happen. I'm a slave in a foreign land. Like, like it's never gonna happen. But he continued to pray, he continued to seek, he continued, he started devising a plan. Mm -hmm. And then when the king saw that he was distraught. He's like what is on your heart? What what is what's going on? And he was ready. He was like yeah. this is what is on my heart. This is why this is why my heart breaks for this people, my people. So let me go and rebuild the wall. Like yeah. let me go and and restore the identity of my people. Yeah. And I feel like that's what God's doing. It's like there's something there. Yeah. I feel like the next generation needs leaders and people in power to come alongside them and say I see you. I see that in you. Now let's go get it. Let's go change the world. Let me let me remove the ceiling. Let me remove the obstacles. Let me give the funding, like whatever it is. Let me make it possible for you to chase after what God is stirring inside you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, I might ask you, like, how? Because <laughs> we we feel like this is the purpose of youth leaders. This this is why we we've been called to this. Is because we, God wants us to see the, the hope and the purpose of the next generation and help them to rise up to, to meet that challenge. Why aren't we there? Like, why, are, why, why have we gotten so distracted by the other things that have been involved in youth ministry over the years? Uh,
1: there's so much. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much there. I think thinking about my story, And thinking about my 15 years in student ministry, I think that there's always this temptation to make it big and make it sexy and make it look really, really good and feel really, really good and make sure that the room is full and make sure that there's smiles on faces and all these things. And I think in that we get distracted and there's mission drift and we, we begin chasing after things that don't really bring the life change. We move away from the one-on-one coffees where things do come out. And that is where you discover what God is stirring in the hearts of other, in in the hearts of the next generation. It's, it's in one-on-one relationship, one-on-one discipleship where it's, it's a longer road and it doesn't look as good. And honestly, like I've got, I've had conversations with supervisors and pastors and church leaders where it's like, they view you as the youth leader Sometimes, like going out to coffee, they're like, "You're not, you're not doing what mm. you really need to do." Like, right? Like, the, yeah. there's almost this unspoken temptation. Like, I've never met a pastor that is like, "No, I don't want you to be about discipleship," right? But they want you in the office from nine to five, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> right? Like, like so, it's just this. Yep, this brokenness is kind of ingrained in in the culture. Yeah, it's kind of. I think it's, I think it's pulling us away from what they're really seeking after, what they're really longing for.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, we can have awesome events and crazy fun and things like that, but, but I mean, you probably know better, like the stats of the next generation leaving the church when they graduate. Yep. It's not good. Nope.
0: And it's not getting any better.
1: (laughs) So let's try something different. Yeah. Ingraining it in their purpose and their identity and, and letting them chase after their dreams so that it, it's not a disconnect mm-hmm. between the passion that they see for the world and the, the brokenness that that hurts them. Like, let, let's combine it and say, hey, when you leave our student ministry, like our relationship is gonna continue, but, but this is a step towards you pursuing what God has got on your life. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're building towards... Yeah. Like, like Nehemiah, you're building towards going to rebuild the wall, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and I don't know how long you're going to have to wait (laughs) and build and, and wait for somebody to come alongside you, but.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: When that, and it does take time, it takes work as well. And it's not, it's not just about, yeah, putting together a flashy program. Yeah. It's, it's really digging in and knowing Knowing our own capacity as well. Yep. Like you and I can only reach so many students on our own. Yeah. So we have to also invest in other leaders and raise them up too to see their passion for the next generation and help them do the same thing with other people. So we can increase our capacity that way. And that doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. We can throw together lights and band and great speaker and all this stuff and draw in a ton of students for an event. But if those students aren't sticking with their faith for the long haul then yeah w- what was that event all about
1: yeah i this just popped into my mind but i just had a conversation with a with a pastor last week he's the pastor of ocean water in southern california and the things that they are doing it's wild it's so cool and it's so encouraging but this whole church planting movement started from his passion and his his desire to provide fresh water, like clean drinking water for places where they don't have clean drinking water. So he, he started like designing this water filtration system, water purifying system that you can take and put in places where they don't have it. And out of that, it has birthed this church planting movement. So they're kind of planting churches and communities around these drinking water systems, but it's pulling in all kinds of people who are also passionate about that and, and the thing that he said that stuck with me, I mean, he said a lot, but but one thing that, he's, that he said, he and he texted it to me after our meeting, he said, keep it small and you'll be okay. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, what? Like, uh, that feels so backwards right. from, from everything that I've been chasing after for the last how many years of my life in student ministry. It's like, I'm going to make it as big and as flashy as possible. But that's not, that's not what... That's not what matters. Yeah. And it's not what sticks. Mm. It's the small relational discipleship. It's, it's the student being able to text you late at night saying, hey, I'm struggling. My parents are fighting again. I'm having suicidal thoughts. It's that. And then you're coming alongside and, and giving clarity mm. of who God says they are. And then you're also dreaming with them about how God can transform that mm. and redeem that and use it. To change the world, yeah. That people people say it all the time. My slogan, <laughs> my slogan should be, "Let's go change the world," because that that's what we're called to. Yeah,
0: that's what we're here for.
1: I feel like I feel like my generation, millennials, they hear that and they're like, "Nah, bro. <laughs> like, like, what are you dream? What are you? Yeah. What are you smoking?" <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, that's our calling, and I feel like that's what's God's stirring in the next gen.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I so I've had several conversations with students. I just felt like God put it on my heart, and I'm sure you probably had times where you ju- we just had the opportunity, then to stand in front of some students, either a group of students or just one on one, like no, I truly believe that if the world is going to change, it's going to be done through the next generation. Yep. Like so many of us adults are, like we're stuck in our ways, and we're we we're, <laughs> we should be like the world is hopeless and all this stuff, but. But if God's going to change the next generation, it can be done through this yeah. next generation because they they really believe that they've been put on this this earth for a purpose. Yeah. And and now it's up to us to help them direct that purpose mm-hmm. and, and see that, oh, man, that, that really is there because God wants to use you yeah. to change it as well.
1: I, I just heard a – I think it was a chapel service. Maybe I sent it to you. It was a chapel service not too long ago at Asbury. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was just listening to you yesterday. The president of Asbury, I think he, and I don't know where he got it. I don't know my sources, but what he called Gen Z was the corrective generation. And that's what I see. It's like, I feel like somewhere along the way, decision after decision, somewhere we've gone off course. And I feel like what the church needs most are the same things that Gen Z is longing for and craving and desiring and chasing after. So it feels like God is raising up a corrective generation where it's like, he's calling us back to the slow faithfulness Mm. over a period of time. The pastors that get celebrated are the ones that have huge growth, exponential growth over a short period of time. We are really bad as, as a church. I speak this collectively. Mm -hmm. We're really bad at celebrating the ones that have been faithful at small congregations over years of time because they don't, yeah. We're not celebrating faithfulness. We're, we're celebrating sexy growth and bright lights. And yeah, do you have a podcast? And (laughs) (laughs) are you speaking at conferences? Do you have a book? Like, like those are the things that we celebrate as a culture. And, Mm -hmm. and that's not, that's not what God calls us to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And some you posted the other day that grabbed my attention and it grabbed my attention for for the truth, but it also so resonated with me. And you posted that invitation to the church is not equal to evangelism. So can you explain that a little bit, kind of maybe how you came about this this thinking and then let's unpack it a little bit.
1: Yeah. Honestly, (laughs) I posted that sitting in church frustrated because the pastor just had given his like fourth spiel about invite your friends to church, invite your friends to church, invite them. And, and it just, it, it struck a, it's, it struck at my heart, I think, because it, there's this culture of let's bring people to church so that the professional evangelist, the professional preacher can do the evangelism. And in the church, we have gotten to this place where that's what we celebrate. We celebrate the numbers of people coming on Sunday morning. And we don't celebrate the believers that are inviting people into their homes and doing relational evangelism where it's like, they're sharing their life. They're sharing the hope that they have. Yeah. It's it's like somewhere along the way we've twisted it or it's gotten contorted.
2: Hmm.
1: And I understand, I understand why. It feels great at church when you're when you're on staff and the room is full mm-hmm. and it feels great and it looks good, but I don't know how effective that is. I think that's yeah. really good at, at bringing people from other churches. I think that's really effective at transfer growth and, and having the best product for people to latch on to.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't think that that's the best model of reaching people mm. that don't know Jesus and are resistant to the gospel. Yeah. Like it's not... An invitation to church is not going to do that. Hmm. It's an invitation into my living room, to my dining room table where we talk about life and you talk about the reason for your hope and and your experiences and vulnerably
2: hmm.
1: just kind of share your heart and lay it all out on a table. And then they ask, "Why are you so confident? Hmm. Why are you, why are you so hopeful that things will be better? Why why are you sharing this stuff with me? Like most people are ashamed by this stuff." Hmm. And you're like, no, there's this guy named Jesus. That's yeah. that's when you get to share the reason for your hope. And I think that that is the best model for evangelism, mm. right? Like, it, it's 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 giving people something that they that they're craving, that they're longing for, that they're designed for. But it's coming in in complete humility and vulnerability, and saying, I, my life is not perfect, mm-hmm. but I still have hope.
0: Yeah. When I look at, I mean, of course, our, our ultimate model is Jesus and rarely did Jesus do the ministry that we talk about all the time in the temple. I mean, the church wasn't around at that time. So we, we have is the temple. And so some people were like, well, if he had the church, then maybe he would be, but let's look at the apostle Paul. Then he's going around and planting churches and yes, he still went to the temple. The church was important. So we're not saying give up on church. But that was only one day of the week. He was yeah. out doing ministry and, and meeting people and being in the community and, and sharing his faith all throughout the week, serving people. It wasn't just about, hey, like, hey, everybody, we're going to do another service this weekend at the temple. Meet me there. Invite your friends to go there. He was going to the people all the time. And I think a couple of years ago, this struck me so much in my ministry at the time when I went to a small group. And we had talked about our basic gospel messages that night. And we had our small group leaders ask, you know, how do you share your faith with your friends? And I walked in the very moment that question was being asked to some high school boys and they look at their leader and go, I invite them to youth group and let Steve do it. I'm like, crap, I have (laughs) missed, I missed it for sure. I missed it. Cause that's, that's what we've been training them to do, invite them to youth group and me or whoever is else is on stage is going to share the gospel with them. Yep, our students don't know how to share the gospel with their own friends.
1: For sure, for sure. Just the other day, my wife, my wife asked me the question. I was like, and she was like, "I hear what you're saying, but where does training for evangelism happen? Does it happen on Sunday morning? Does it happen?" I I think it has to happen separately, but I think I think the call to evangelism is less an invite to church and more of a okay, how do you share your story? How do you identify the points where people need hope? How do you go deep? How do you invite people into your table, into your home? My mind always goes back to Zacchaeus where it's like he's climbing a tree because he's intrigued by Jesus and what Jesus has to offer. And and Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. And something in that was enough for Zacchaeus to say, yes, this guy is Lord. Mm. Right like it, that that simple thing of the relational side of it Jesus identifying himself with Zacchaeus who everybody else was like who are you what are you doing you're the short little dude right like <laughs> all the stuff Jesus says no i want relationship with you and i'm coming to your house and i'm going to i'm going to lock arms with you mm. and say i'm with you yeah i feel like that's what the world is longing for, right? Like yeah. when I when I talk with people what I hear more than anything is I'm lonely. Hmm. I feel isolated. I don't feel like I have friends. I want friends, like and I don't know why that is. There's probably a million reasons, but the church should be the place where you find that.
2: Yeah. Right? Like like yeah.
1: like it, it breaks my heart when I hear person after person saying who is plugged into the church, who would identify as a Christian as a, as a believer and they're constantly saying I feel like I have no friends. I feel like I have no community. I want community. It's like, what,
0: what's going on? Yeah. What are we missing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's this shift from the church is a community of believers to this idea of the church is a Sunday service, mm. right? It's it's something that you go to and attend and and that's what church is. Like in you know, every most pastors that I know agree with this yeah but it's in the practice where where there's the shift because and i think that's what we need to we need to get past like we need to change the scorecard of what success looks like yeah for pastors and the church and believers like what is the scorecard mm. is it getting as many people as you can to the sunday service or is it getting into relationship with as many people as you can
2: mm.
1: is it how many times have you shared the reason for your hope? Mm. Or is it how many converts do you have? How many people prayed the prayer? Right? Like what? Like, yeah. And I don't know what the scorecard should be, but I feel like I feel like that's the first step towards seeing the transformation that we need. It's it's moving towards changing what we count and what we celebrate and and letting that trickle through. All of our ministries and all of our churches and all of our relationships into and, and who we are yeah yeah because those are the
0: things that's going to make a difference yeah so my mind goes to the people who are listening who they get it maybe they're ones that are like amen they're shouting in their their car or wherever they're listening to it they're like yes they're finally someone that that agrees with me but <laughs> We know like not all supervisors also agree. Like what, what do we do in those instances where we feel like we're the only ones that believe this?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think that you need to figure out what you, what you're chasing after and, and continue to keep that as a priority. And I, I totally understand the pressure that comes from above of, It needs to be big and it needs, you need to be bringing in X number of people. But I think don't sacrifice the times with students where you can get small where you can get one-on-one. And even if you're in a big, large ministry context, begin to set the culture for your leaders, right? Like you start in the student ministry, celebrating what matters, telling your leaders what matters, asking them how many times did you meet with a student outside of the program did you send a text message did you show up oh what's the book lead small they they talk about showing up randomly yeah in the lives of the students like that's outside of the program and that's that's what you celebrate that's what you count that that's that's how you set the culture for the the student ministry Mm. and i believe that as the student ministry begins to see success and change the culture. I believe the student ministry has the power to change the culture of the mm-hmm. entire church. Amen. Amen. Leaders will see it. Yeah. Leaders will see that something different is swelling up from below.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've sold a couple, several middle schoolers of the last few years. I look at them usually after a camp situation or a, or a mission trip or something like that. And and I get really serious with them and I'm like, you guys have the ability to not only change Mm -hmm. our church, but change our community and change our world. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I really believe that if you start getting really excited about your faith and we're celebrating it and as a ministry and celebrating as adults, that will impact the rest of our church. You may think that you don't have much, but just like Paul tells Timothy, you have the ability to influence the
1: older generations. For sure. Remove that ceiling for them. Let them dream. Give them permission to dream and walk alongside them and guide them in the process and help them figure out and help them discern that ache in their heart and help them figure out where God is stirring in mm-hmm. that ache. Yeah. Because that's ultimately like that that longing that every single one of us have in certain areas, that longing is there because it's pointing us to God. It's God saying, come back, come home. Surrender that part, and 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 recognize that there's more, mm. right? Like, my whole life, I feel like there's been this 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 craving. I I don't even know how to identify it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's almost like a hole in my heart, mm-hmm. this unsettledness. And I think for the longest time, I just thought it was it was because I was broken, and I I know I'm broken. Sure. <laughs> But in light of who God is and how he has designed us, that's there. Yeah. Because he is calling us home. He's calling us back to him and he's calling us to more. Yeah. I think we're always going to have that. Right. Yeah. This side of heaven, we're always going to have something inside us that is like, something's not quite right. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be more. There's got to be something better. There's got to be something different. And that's because there is. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. How much hope is there in that? Like, totally. And that's that's what we can help students identify.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then say, okay, what gifts has God given you? Mm. How can you use that to change the world?
0: Yeah. I know it's kind of a cliche. Can statement. we do t-shirts? <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> we should. We totally can. Let us know, <laughs> podcast audience. If you buy it. actually there's been a couple people that have asked me over the years, they're like, do you got, do you have merch? I'm like, no, I don't know if anybody would actually want to wear it, but Hey, if, if you would, let me know. But, but yeah, I know it's like kind of a, a little bit of a cliche statement now, but the, and there's truth in it that, and I think we probably all shared this very message with students before, but do we really believe it that we're not just saved from something we're saved for something. And so, yes, we need to, definitely explain the gospel to students and help them respond to what Jesus has done for them.
1: But it's so much more than that. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's a lot of people that would differentiate in this, but I think, I mean, the gospel is good news. So what does it look like to train students and train leaders to help them identify where people need good news? That is the gospel. Where is Jesus? Where is the hope in whatever situation they're going through and helping them identify that. And I mean that instead of like, here are the five verses that I need to share in order for me to be sharing the gospel. Right? Like there's a space for that. Sure. But if you're speaking to a non-Christian, you have to, you have to go deeper than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And deeper so many times looks like relationship. Yep. Rather than let me unpack this, yeah, <laughs> like it's it's getting into the the, the
1: mess yeah. with other people. It's it's going to that place where that ache is, hmm. that longing is, and helping the point them towards the hope. Yeah, and the reason for that hope, right?
0: Would you say it's it's really helping helping students get to the place where where we got to as youth leaders, like the reason we're we're in this is because-
1: I don't feel like I've got it figured out. Well, no, (laughs) no. Daily, I'm struggling with this crap.
0: (laughs) But someone saw that in me, someone saw that in you Hmm. and they they called it out. And this is why we're doing this with trying to impact the next generation because I've seen that not only is the gospel important to my life, I want others to know who he is, especially the next generation. And I, yeah. we want to walk alongside and and help those those coming behind us experience that same thing. Yeah. And and hopefully take it further and farther than we have ever taken it ourselves. Yeah. Because they do have we, we dream with them and, and see what God wants to do through that. Yeah. But but it's not gonna happen if we're just yeah, throwing on a, a big party and an event totally. every week. I it's it's stepping in that.
1: For me, we spent time in Indonesia as missionaries and then coming back and plugging into Mm. Silicon Valley student ministry. It was a hard transition for me. And I think there was this, I think somewhere along the way I shifted from how many students can I bring in to how many students can I send out Mm. and counting how many students can I send out with a heart for ministry, with a heart for the gospel, with heart for people that are hurting. How many students can I, and that's hard to count, but I mean, I started counting how many students I was sending into ministry and that was my marker of success Mm. because I know there's only so many people that I can reach personally, but if I can train up 15 leaders Mm -hmm. with the same heart and the same passion, that's when you start to get towards world change. Yep. That's multiplied impact. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need to count. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Billy, it's been awesome to have you on again. I just value our friendship so much, but more than that, I value your heart, your heart for for Jesus more than anything, but also to really impact this world. And, and I know we share this, this huge passion for this next generation and what God's going to do through them. I know people have been able to connect with you today on the podcast, but if they want to further connect with you or maybe even contact you about like, Hey, I've got some students who may be interested in pursuing missions, possibly going to Africa. What's the best way for them to connect with you and find out more about your ministry?
1: Uh, You can hit me up on Instagram or send me an email or whatever's, whatever's best. I would love to talk with you, even if you don't want to go to Africa, but you're just wrestling with this calling or this ache or whatever it looks like. I, that's what I love doing more than anything is dreaming with People about what they could do. Cool. My Instagram is macmahan.billy, or you can just shoot me an email at bcmcman12 at gmail.com.
2: Cool.
0: And I know you're going to be at several events coming soon. So we're we're recording this and going to be releasing this in, in February of 2024. 20, but, but I know you got some events coming up that they can probably see you in person as well. So we're going to be in the next couple of months?
1: I'm going to, tomorrow I leave for the Send in Nashville. It's going to be amazing. And then I'm going to be at Azusa Pacific University coming up in several weeks at their missions conference. I'll be at Biola's missions conference coming up in, I think that that one is in March. Anyway, I'll be around. <laughs> cool. So
0: look for your ministry, look for you and be able to contact either online or in person. Go change the
1: world. Yep. And let's get some (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. Yes.
0: Billy, thank you so much for being on and just God bless you and God bless your ministry. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of Student Ministry Connection. If this conversation has triggered some things in your mind about how you go about your ministry, I would love to hear from you. And maybe you need to share this with another youth leader you know and go out for coffee or go to lunch and discuss what you agree with and what you disagree with, and how that might impact your ministry. If you do enjoy what you've heard on this episode, I'd encourage you to share the podcast, but also to leave a review and a recommendation on your podcast app for others who are looking for something like this. And if you would like to support my ministry with National Network of Youth Ministries, please follow the link in the show notes where you can sign up for our prayer partnership team and also our financial partnership team. I also want to extend a huge thanks to those who have already partnered with me. And if you're interested in joining my team, please follow the link in the show notes or reach out to me. I would love to talk to you more about how you can partner with this ministry. And before we go, I also want to thank G Shades for sponsoring this episode. Check out their website at gshades.org and use the promo code CONNECTION to save $20 off your order. And while you're over there, be sure to check out their blog and also the book from G Shades founder, Mike Haynes. Also, another reminder that if you want to join me at the Orange Conference 2024 and save 10% off your tickets, just use the promo code OC24NNYM10. That's OC24NNYM10, and you'll save 10% off your Orange Conference tickets. I told you all at the beginning of the year that we've got some great episodes lined up and I hope you've been able to see that so far. And this next episode will feature someone that I've been wanting to get on for a while. Author and speaker Alan Fadling is joining us to talk about Unhurried Living and his brand new book A Non-Anxious Life, which we are also giving away a free copy of. You do not want to miss it, so make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Be sure to stay connected and may God bless your ministry.